Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host, and I'm joined uh, by a member of one of our partner agencies, Gage. Uh, I've got Robert Floyd here with me today. Uh, Robert, would you do us the, the honor of introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Robert Floyd. I am the art director and lead designer at Gage. Been there for about four and a half years now. Yeah. And so today we're going to be discussing web design and branding for Magento sites, talking about best practices and how to get the job done right. Uh, you know, maybe a few things that have been learned uh, along the way. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's how, you know, that's part of the beauty of the industry that, that we're both mm -hmm. in is that it's constantly evolving and you know, no one really went to school to learn how to build a Magento site. There's some folks that, that, that have, but by and large, right. uh, you know, most of the veterans in the industry picked up a lot of what they know, at least, uh, right. you know, school of hard knocks that constantly right. new versions, new developments. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll start us off. Um, you know, when you're diving into a project, what's the first design asset that you like to get created for a merchant? Where do you like to start the process when someone new is coming in? Yeah. So usually where we start is, um, you know, if, if a merchant comes to us and they say, you know, we have a logo, we have brand assets, um, you know, the typography, colors, imagery, you know, all that stuff is really great. And some, some merchants come to us and they have that, some don't. Um, and so it's just kind of dependent on where they are in their kind of organizational life cycle, whether or not they have that documentation. Uh, most, you know, obviously all of them have at least a logo so we can come in and kind of start beginning to make some assumptions around that. Um, however, for us, usually one of the first places we start is actually not necessarily with like a design asset, like something that we actually, you know, kind of put out as a deliverable. It's usually more around like a customer persona, uh, doing customer interviews, uh, you know, kind of doing some really light user testing on a current site to kind of get some idea around, you know, who are your customers? Um, why are they coming to you? What are they looking to get from this site? What are the products that they're looking for? Um, who else might they be going to and talking to? Um, or, you know, even just like, where else are they shopping? You know, many of our clients sell things that you can buy on Amazon. So it's like, why, you know, why are they coming to this site in particular? What are they getting out of this? And so we'll often start kind of in a, a fairly heavy kind of research phase um, with our clients in order to really kind of get an idea of, okay, where are we going? What do we need to do to make you competitive um, in the market? You know, obviously the platform choice is really important for that. Um, but even more so the front end experience that you're giving a customer and getting the research, uh, you know, competitive analysis, all of that uh, to really kind of help them uh, or help us and the client understand, okay, here's where we need to go with the design. Uh, here's what we need to make. Here's how we need to make it. Um, instead of just kind of diving straight into making design, uh, we have to kind of come up with some strategy and some ideas about, uh, okay, what do we need to do and how do we need to do it and why? Um, so that's usually where we start uh, for the most part. That's fantastic. So basically you want to know what are the demographics that you're speaking to? What's the shopping yep. journey going to look like? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're really catering to the shopper more than uh, more than just creating something snazzy. That's fantastic. Correct. And, yep. Are there cases where they come to you and you see maybe the, you know, as you go into this process, you see the logo, you see the style guide, the brand assets, and you say, you know, we really think this before you invest into the entire web design and some of these other things that it might be time for a brand refresh or, or perhaps that that may not speak as well to the market uh, as mm -hmm. one would want. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it absolutely has happened uh, several times for us. You know, it, it often, um, you know, depending on the timeline and kind of some other exterior kind of business goals, sometimes it is feasible to redesign a logo. Sometimes it's not. Um, we often will suggest, you know, hey, maybe there's a, um, you know, an agency you can go and work with, you know, in order to like really focus on branding and marketing, like that, that really in depth, you know, brand process can be, of course, its own uh, very large and, and lengthy project, depending on what it is and how it goes. So it, it certainly um, has been something that we have suggested um, and certainly something we've done in the past, you know, if the timing is right. Um, we often find that um, a lot of times you don't even necessarily need to redesign the logo so much as you just need to say, how does all of the elements on the site and everything that you're putting out, how can that support your logo? Um, because oftentimes, you know, uh, many of our clients come to us, they have, you know, 10, 15 years of, you know, equity built up basically within their logo, within their image. And so maybe it's even just as simple as refreshing color and fonts. Um, you know, layouts on the site in order to give it a really, you know, cleaner, uh, more uh, kind of up-to-date look and feel. Um, and also a lot of that can even depend on, you know, how do you want to communicate? So like if a, if a client comes to us and they say, hey, you know, we're really trying to be a serious kind of, um, you know, I don't know, kind of high-end brand, and they're kind of using these really bright kind of crazy RGB colors, we might be going, okay, well, we probably need to take a look at that. We need to make sure that we're really representing the things that you want to say and the things that you want to be uh, to your customers and to the to the audience that you're trying to get to. So um, it absolutely has happened where we've you know, kind of helped them kind of refresh or rethink, uh, but it doesn't always require a total 100% overhaul of everything. Sometimes it can just be as simple as updating type and colors um, in, in your style guide and your standards to really make it something that is a little bit fresher and looks, you know, maybe not like it's made in 1996 or something. You know, without my, is there, Psychology wise, uh, do you find that it's important to look at things like what color add to cart buttons are getting down into, uh, it, you know, <laughs> a, a little in, into the nitty gritty there? But, Absolutely. It, you know, do you find that more than just the, the color scheme of the site itself, that using different elements in different parts of the site are going to have a major impact? Absolutely. And that's usually, you know, where we'll go in with a, a style guide or style style tiles is what we'll start with and kind of um, kind of dream a little bit about what the color is going to be. How are these colors going to impact, you know, uh, if we're going to use all these bright colors, you know, how are we going to ensure that your add to cart button is obvious that it's it's. Um, you know, it's usable. Uh, you know, you also get into things like ADA accessibility in terms of, you know, your color choice and making sure that it's, it's, it's legible and readable to people, no matter, you know, if they have a vision deficiency, if it's a screen reader or whatever those types of, sure. um, you know, people don't pieces. realize things like you want certain contrast between colors to make it Absolutely. more mm -hmm. ADA, uh, you know, accessible. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting that Domino's was, uh, was just denied, uh, uh, a, a court case, um, where they were trying to get away from certain uh, ADA needs. Mm -hmm. It's always great to hear an agency that is trying to advise clients and, uh, and, and merchants on best practice to avoid those sorts of situations. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that there are other major areas that you like to touch on around that specifically, other than maybe, you know, color schemes and contrasts? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it from a design perspective, of course, is, um, is color scheme. A lot of it is uh, font size. So, you know, actually making sure that, 
you know, you're using legible font sizes, especially on, you know, a mobile device versus the tablet versus a desktop computer. Um, even getting into things like link indicators, uh, you know, uh, button indicators, you know, a lot of it is even just around, you know, ensuring that this thing that I understand what this element is going to do when I click it, when I interact with it, if I can interact with it. Um, of course, there's a lot that we do on the development side as well. And, you know, ensuring that, you know, uh, forms are, are structured appropriately, you know, using alt text for images, um, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is stuff that we do really heavily. Um, and, and oftentimes is uh, something that can be overlooked, but is very, very important as, as you just mentioned, you know, with Domino's, many clients, many companies are really getting into the point where it's like, Hey, you do need to be paying attention to this because there is a, a subsect of the, the population that needs it. And that requires absolutely shop shop. Yep. Absolutely. You know, that these are real people that want to be mm-hmm. on your site and, uh, and, and shopping and interacting as well. And, you know, I, I find <laughs> you know, the, there are other benefits like, you know, having proper alternative tags, proper alt tags for images yeah. can help your SEO efforts. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that it's an all or nothing when it comes to how you're investing into this, that uh, you're getting more bang for your buck than just... Sure. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> just the the one thing uh, may, maybe that, that uh, you're thinking of, but uh, following yep, best absolutely. practice can all, often lead to a lot of benefit. And, you know, absolutely. search engines and, and other systems, uh, you, you know, that they're evolving to look at lots of things, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, mobile usability uh, or, you know, things that are going to relate, um, that are, mm-hmm. are going to bring value. So I often find being ahead of the curve is a good thing. It means that um, as their algorithm updates and other things that you're going to benefit from it, yes. um, while others are still trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, so pulling back a little bit, you start off, you, you know, b- folks go from maybe the, the sales team into, uh, you know, in, into your team, into production, you're collecting mm-hmm. information. Maybe there's intake mm-hmm. forms, there's kickoff meetings, Mm-hmm. Um, you've had lots of communication before you ever get to a first draft so that, Correct. um, yep. you know, I, I used to say in, in my agency days that if I was going to hand someone a first draft, there was no way that I was going to be able to make them happy if I didn't have an understanding before we started, if they That's liked right. the equivalent of art deco or old Victorians, how do you That's build right. someone a house yeah. and, and make That's them right. happy? What a waste of, <laughs> of their time. So yeah. no, that, that's all great stuff. Um, do you ask them for sites that they like for, for competitor sites or just general websites, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they appreciate to kind of get a, a taste for, for their interest? Does that usually work in your favor? Yeah. So typically what we do is, so we'll do a kind of a brand analysis. So, you know, kind of going back a little bit to that branding conversation is like, who do you want to be? Who are you talking to? Um, you know, how are you presenting yourself and how do you want to present yourself? You know, we often will say like, you know, if you could be a character from a movie, you know, what would that be? You know, like if your brand was that, because it kind of gives us an idea about the personality and the imagery that we want to use and kind of the way it needs to look and feel. Um, so we use that a lot of times to kind of base around, okay, here are other companies that do something similar. So um, there's the the kind of the idea of saying, okay, what are companies that you look up to, like kind of aspirational brands that you might look to? So, you know, the popular ones are usually Apple or Nike or things like that. And they'll say, you know, here's what we really like about them. But then we'll also kind of do our own research in terms of, okay, you know, here are companies that are maybe in a similar space as you doing something with a similar kind of customer base. 
but they're also kind of speaking and talking in a very similar way to what you want to do. And so we'll pull those websites and we'll pull out very specific kind of um, aesthetic pieces, maybe features, um, maybe uh, technical things that they've done that are really attractive and potentially something that they could do. Uh, so sometimes that's, you know, use of imagery, you know, is it going to be full bleed? Are you going to do lots of just image grids? Are you going to use video backgrounds, you know, video players, you know, how are you going to do that? What kind of colors are you going to use? All that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, that's usually just like a mood board. Sometimes we'll put it up into like a kind of a, a presentation or a deck to kind of walk them through like, okay, here are the things that we're looking at. Here's the things and why we think this might be really valuable for you so that you can help make a decision around here are some of the direction that we might go and just kind of get that general idea of like, I really like what I see there. I don't like what I see there. I've seen that too much, so I don't really want to do that, things like that, and kind of beginning to gauge feedback and kind of like you said, you know, what resonates the most and what maybe will we even have to work a little bit harder towards if we do feel like we maybe need to go in a slightly different direction and talking and kind of uh, the ideas and the reasons for some of those design decisions. Absolutely. Well, there were a few years where I think the number one site that I would consistently be told people liked and wanted us to keep in mind when designing their site was Apple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was like, well, of course you yeah. love it. It's, it's austere because by the time you get to that website, you know everything you need to know about that company. You already That's have right. brand affinity. They don't need That's to right. convince you of anything. They don't need to sell you anything. That, right. that job has already been done. Right. So, you know, it, it is interesting that sometimes what you can learn through the process, almost e educating uh, the consumer, in this case, the, mm -hmm. the e-commerce website owners mm -hmm. and managers on um, what might be in their best interests, you know, so, right. uh, yeah. you know, it's always great when you get someone that'll take the feedback that will, um, you know, that, that'll take the constructive, cr uh, critique on, uh, on what they've asked and mm -hmm. reshape it, right. uh, around some best practice and such. So no, that's, yeah. that's good stuff. And do you like to start with wireframes or go right into uh, a full first draft, maybe with, with some, you know, mm -hmm. with some placeholders, but right. Yeah, so normally, um, so we'll start with like the style tiles, like I was mentioning, which is normally a big artboard that's just full of ideas and form elements and navigation use and mobile navigation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's really just an experimental playground, really, to kind of uh, present a lot of different ideas. And at the same time, you know, if we need to, if we have a specific feature or if we have a specific kind of, um, you know, set of pages that we really need to pay close attention to, um, you know, we will begin to wireframe or at the very least do some user flows and sitemaps around some of those things. So um, even if we're not getting in and making like true gray box wireframes or beginning to determine structure, we're beginning to determine kind of here's how things need to flow and work um, so that when we get to the place where we go, okay, now we can go ahead and start making those first you know, drafts of the actual pages. It's easier to just apply things and say, well, we've already decided that we want our buttons to look like this. We've already decided we want our primary color to be this and our headings to look like this. Let's just put them on the page. And that helps us even get to like an, a point where we can even test some of the designs we're putting out a little bit faster uh, so that we can validate the decisions we're making and saying, yes, these things will work. This is going to resonate. This is going to be something people like to use. Um, and so, yeah, so typically it's like going through that uh, kind of user flow sitemap and a little bit of wireframing. Um, obviously, we still do that gray box wireframing and we'll kind of put it in front of our clients. Um, you know, usually that's done like in a, a sketch and, you know, presenting with Envision or something along those lines. 
um, if we need to, to kind of really kind of hone in, okay, here's how the structure is going to look. Here's how these features are going to work and, and things like that. And you're getting sign-offs all through that process so that you keep mm-hmm. moving forward and hopefully That's not... Right. Not backward. That's right. Yeah. And it, it can be, you know, that's one of the things that can be the unknown with design process, right? Is like getting in and saying, we put a lot of time and energy into this direction. And suddenly we've like, uh, we're not, we don't like that anymore. And we have to kind of back up. And so we do kind of have to balance the idea of we need to get sign offs at every stage, but we also want to maintain some flexibility so that it doesn't feel like we're trapped with something we don't want to use or we don't like for the next you know, three to five years or however long they're going to keep the site. And so it is kind of a, a balancing act to say, okay, you know, we're basically lightly signing off on everything as we go through. And then kind of when we get to the end of the design process, process we're saying, okay, this is what we're good with. We're good with this to build it um, and to get it up. And then we can continue to iterate post-launch and say like, you know, launch day is really day zero for a, a site. And so we say, okay, now let's figure out how are we going to iterate? How are we going to make this thing better over time so we can continue to remain competitive and continue to uh, make sure people are able to do the things they want to do when they come to our site. So in essence, keep it agile. So if, uh, right. mm-hmm. if by the time the alterations are done on the wedding dress, the, the bride can't stand it, um, it it's time to <laughs> go back to the drawing board. That's right. yeah. yeah, in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. All makes sense for me. Um, and these days, are you starting with, as you're creating layouts and designs, are you presenting the mobile layouts and designs first, desktop, both simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the average process? Yeah, sure. So typically we'll, um, you know, when we do a, a design presentation, we'll kind of put together a little deck to walk through any features or thoughts or ideas that we've had, um, you know, and kind of saying, here's what we're going to talk about today. Here are the things that we're going to address um, and in that process, you know, when we get to actually presenting designs, we'll present usually a mobile and a desktop next to each other. Um, typically, I try to put the mobile on the left, so it's the first thing you look at, um, and kind of put that inside a mobile mock-up. Again, usually, usually using Envision, um, kind of their browser app is really wonderful for presenting design and kind of looking at it and getting a feel. Okay, this kind of this is kind of how it might look in browser when we get there. Um, so yeah, so we'll typically do them side by side, kind of scrolling through. Um, we'll typically say, you know, Hey, here's how it's going to work on mobile. And then, you know, when we get to desktop and saying, here's how things change, here's how things are different. Um, here's why those things are there. You know, we can add things like hover states on desktop, which we can't do on mobile. Um, you know, there are certain things around, um, even like, you know, how you scroll and the kind of the fold on mobile versus desktop. So there's a lot of considerations that we have to make. And usually we talk about those things with like a product page and a category page and homepage. Mm-hmm. Those are usually the three main pages that are like, these are the things that we really need to get right uh, since they are the bulk, obviously, of the site. So product page is usually the one that takes the longest just because there's so much potential information, uh, so much, so many decisions that have to be made in terms of, you know, what do you put first on the page, a heading, product title, image, you know, uh, breadcrumb navigation, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we'll walk through all of those decisions with our clients, um, you know, in the presentation. Uh, so they really have a clear idea of, okay, here's why these things are in the places they are. Um, but again, yeah, the kind of the idea of like you look at mobile first and then you kind of progressively enhance to desktop so that you're really providing a great experience between the two. And it's interesting that you know, there was a time when the home page was absolutely the most important page in a site, mm-hmm. depending on your marketing campaigns today. For instance, if you're running uh, you know, product display ads, Google shopping ads, right. You're right. driving people right to the product pages, mm-hmm. regardless that 
Absolutely. So whether those people ever see your homepage might be questionable. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I'm, I'm with you that if you don't have, uh, you know, a, enough optimization for conversion mm-hmm. rates and other purposes on the product page level, uh, you, you know, you're, you're not in great shape that there's a ton of important information to be thought through there. Do you typically start with the homepage design and then basically once you have some of those elements together and headers and footers and what have you that you take those and uh, and use those for the category and uh, the the product page layouts um, and keep moving forward in that direction? Uh, no, actually, usually we go the reverse. Uh, so, I mean, there's obviously arguments to be made for either one, but we like to go uh, product page, category page, homepage, um, just because we do feel like there's so much of the meat of your site that is contained on a product page in terms of content, um, the product story, you know, um, you know, different types of imagery or media that have to be considered. Um, and of course, how all the global elements like buttons and navigation and drop downs form fields, all that kind of stuff plays in, plays into that area. And so by the time we've done usually product page and category page, um, you know, those two things, usually the homepage is really just a matter of which content and what order. The design of it is usually pretty much we can kind of inherit from the other two pages in terms of, you know, here's what a big, you know, section might look like or a slider, you know, product cards, you know, reviews, if those types of things are there. Um, and usually it's more around, here's what the content strategy for the page is. Here's what someone needs to see when they get here first. Here's the next thing they need to see, promotions, you know, featured categories, new products, whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh, so usually we kind of go in that opposite, yeah, the different flow. Uh, I've grappled with that as well, partly because the homepage, usually the content is you know is is less defined at the beginning of the project right. so it's much harder to show someone what a final home page will look like it's a lot easier to take a sample product That's and right. lay out the product page and get that approved and know the direction you're heading so i i right. like that a lot um, and, and we you don't can... see that quite as often i think a lot of folks still right. start with the home page and i i think one of the things that it helps us with too is understanding the constraints so you know, we don't necessarily use lorem ipsum, you know, dummy text throughout the site. You know, we're pulling the actual product names, you know, the product descriptions. And so it helps us to understand like, okay, we need to allot this amount of space for a super long product name, you know, it might be 40 or 50 characters long versus a product name that might be 10 characters long. So we don't get, you know, further on down the process and realize, oh man, like, half these product names don't fit in what we've created. So we need, so we have to back up and rethink some of the system when in reality, we've already kind of taken into consideration a lot of those different ideas or needs. And then we can kind of progressively go throughout the rest of the site to make sure that we're uh, considering all those things. Yeah. And with that in mind, um, how, how do you handle the f- features and functionality themselves? I know with a site like a Magento site that there's mm-hmm. a lot, and I mean mm-hmm. a lot off the shelf that you can choose to use or not. And that could be small buttons and things like wish yep. lists and, uh, you know, and comparison between mm-hmm. products on a category or, or other, uh, you know, search results page or such that there's a lot that you can do um, that, that you can enable and disable. There are, I don't, not quite infinite Magento extensions and, and add-ons, but sure. certainly a lot. Um, right. Do you try to have that, locked down in terms of what the development side of the house is going to be doing first so that you know 
when you're providing a layout of the product page that if it's going to have, I don't know, store locator features or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all these other things involved mm -hmm. that, um, that, that you've got that already uh, yeah. allowed in the layout? Yeah. So I would say about, you know, solid 60 to 70% of the time, we have a lot of those technical uh, needs and kind of scope defined before we're getting into the design process. And so we're able to go in and say, you know, yes, we're going to do a store locator or we're going to use a custom search extension uh, to empower, you know, synonym search or visual search or whatever that might be. Uh, so we're able to go in and have some of those conversations. And of course, during the process, when things may come up, you know, from customer interviews or customer testing, you know, some of the greatest innovation can come there, but that can also create a lot of uncertainty in terms of a project um, you know, timeline. Uh, if suddenly customers are asking for this crazy product finder that we didn't scope, well, that can create some, you know, uh, uncertainty in the project budget, project timeline, et cetera. And so um, we'll definitely be having conversations with our development team as we're creating pages, as we're kind of considering, um, you know, different types of uh, interaction um, you know, patterns or design needs and things like that. We'll be having conversations with them pretty much simultaneously to make sure that we are not building something that's out of scope, but that we are also making sure that, you know, the technical needs are going to be able to be met in a way that's, of course, friendly for the merchant and usable for the customer as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from the development standpoint, you, you know, it's wonderful to be agile, um, mm -hmm. and it, you know, it, it's great to be able to, you know, move on the fly and not just to say, well, that's the project. And so, you, you know, it's, right. it's a three month project. And in the end you wanted things that we're not going to give you, uh, right. because you, you're trying to add them at the, you know, at the, at 11th the last hour, right. but when you add them at the 11th hour, then you need to retest everything. Now this new mm -hmm. extension conflicts yep. with others that it's, yep. it's not just the, uh, the, you know, the labor to add it, but now you're going back through QA and all sorts of things and mm -hmm. all, all sorts of implication. I'm with you. You got to rip up certain things. Yep. Absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, uh, ups and downs the entire process mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it's, I think for someone that hasn't been involved in one of these projects before, it's always a bit difficult to understand that um, that mm -hmm. under it's almost uh, I, I always like giving people a bit of a, a risk analysis when I could mm -hmm. to say, look, these are the things that could delay the project. These are the things that could uh, cause it to go outside budget. And right. no one wants to hear that. But I always right. I found that the good clients that they liked having that conversation because mm -hmm. they would rather have that conversation in advance. Oh, sure. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of them will appreciate the honesty and transparency about what something takes as well. You know, exactly. You're, it, it, a lot of people won't have the conversation, and and then right. you know, <laughs> uh, that says something as well. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so as you're going through this process now, let's say we've got our our product page, our category mm -hmm. page, our home page. Do you lay out a few more layouts, like for a CMS template? You know, for other mm -hmm. things, is it is it case by case? Do you basically just have the the developers use some CSS to style some of the default pages, like a login page? Um, how in depth does does it get? Is it really a case by case? Yeah, so it, sometimes it does depend a little bit on the project and you know what other kinds of pages might need to be styled. Um, we have done it before where we've styled literally like every template that exists, which is a lot of work and a lot of different pages, uh, especially when you consider that you need a desktop and a mobile for each one. And um, that basically doubles the number. 
Um, so we have begun to move more into what we call the atomic design method of establishing essentially global styles that are reusable um, across all pages. And so when you establish, you know, your grid width, uh, your heading one, your heading two, your button styles, you know, that right there can account for a pretty good chunk of the Magento, you know, their customer admin section, you know, your account pages, your shipping pages, your order pages, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, even just designing, you know, the, the, you know, faceted navigation can often help establish the style for, you know, the side navigation in that uh, part of the website. So, um, you know, we kind of have gotten to a point where we can basically build out a more robust pattern library that pulls out one off kind of, um, you know, elements or uh, needs um, that can then kind of become the final or the kind of this foundational piece for our development team so that they can style everything. And then all they have to do is arrange elements on the page and reuse things. And, uh, you know, that's not usually something that clients will see. Normally we're doing that in the background. That's kind of a final, like make sure all the details are wrapped up and all the, all the little elements are there. Uh, but it's certainly helpful to ensure a smooth handoff, which, uh, you know, does kind of, if it's not a smooth handoff, it can come back to bite you, you know, later on in QA and testing when things don't look right or things aren't styled properly or things aren't working properly. You're like, well, what happened is like, well, there may not have been a great handoff there. And so the more you, the design team, or our design team specifically can set up our development team to understand and see kind of the whole system and why and how it works, uh, the more successful that the, the, development implementation will be, but also the less pages you have to design of those, all those extraneous, you know, account and wish list and all those other pages that kind of live out there. Um, you know, again, the kind of the, the exception to that being, you know, if there are specific pages or specific features that a client is saying, we really want to be able to see this. We really want to know how this is going to work and why it's going to work that way. And we'll go ahead and, you know, mock those pages up if they need it. And, have you ever had a, a customer or, or is this something that happens maybe a few times mm -hmm. a year that starts off with some of their own designs that brings you some of their own, you know, PSDs or other, mm -hmm. you know, layouts or mock-ups um, to work from. And, and then you have to sort of translate that into something that'll work not only for the shopper, but uh, may perhaps more importantly with Magento in order to keep yeah. a project in budget and reasonable and, uh, and healthy. Absolutely. Yeah, we actually just had a project like this, like that this past year, where we were kind of they kind of had a lot of designs already uh, finished. But a lot of it either was not, um, you know, Magento friendly, so to speak, or even in some ways UX best practices around navigation and things like that. And so we were able to kind of come in and help and say, here's how we can make this better. You know, we're not changing everything. We're not making this dramatic overhaul. We're just adjusting some elements, adding an icon here or there, you know, adding some padding, you know, whatever it might be, moving a button from, you know, one place to another place to make it, you know, saves, you know, unlimited number of hours in development, which is just, you know, you're like, why, how does that even work? And it's like, well, it's just the way the system is built. And so when you can do that, of course, it does definitely help on um, the process, but it's definitely something we've done. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, uh, honestly a really good opportunity to increase, you know, your UX best practice in that area. Um, because you're not necessarily focusing on all of the visuals. You're not necessarily focusing on like, here's exactly how it needs to look. You're able to say, here's how we can apply visuals to best practices, to research, to things that we know from the industry to help make it a really good user experience that is, of course, Magento friendly. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know when the last time you brought on a new designer was. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it'll be an easy question, but sure. how long would you say it takes to get 
the prerequisite knowledge about what Magento does do off the shelf and what it doesn't to be in a good place to, to provide logical designs that are, are going to make sense when they get mm -hmm. to implementation. You know, is it mm -hmm. reprojects in and you start to get your feet under you? Is it, <laughs> uh, you know, any thoughts right. there? I, I, it's a bit of a yeah. subjective question. Yeah, it, it is a little bit, and it kind of depends on the designer as well. You know, you do have designers who have different strengths in different areas. Um, so our other designer actually is a very, very strong systems designer. Like he loves getting in with the details and making sure all of the little things and the little kind of um, uh, kind of use cases are accounted for. And, and you have designers who are like that who are just very, very like uh, kind of, um, I guess maybe like an architect type designer, like they're considering all the details. Um, and when you have a designer like that, it's very, I find it's a little bit quicker and easier to get someone up to speed on the intricacies of the platform. Um, of course, our development team is, is really helpful. Um, our project management team is extremely knowledgeable um, in terms of, you know, Magento's capabilities. Uh, Magento's docs are actually have gotten a lot better in the last year or so. So like there's, an, you know, an entire section on like front end and like, here's how these things are structured and here's how these things work. And even just being able to look through that and say, I have a question about how this element might need to work or how the faceted navigation works on the category page. You know, you're going, being able to go in and say, okay, here's exactly what is available or being able to just drop a comp, you know, screenshot your comp into the, in Slack and say, Hey, how would this work? Does this work? You know, that kind of thing. I find that can be a lot more valuable of a process to have those types of conversations and necessarily saying, you know, after three projects, you're definitely ready to go, or, you know, six months in and you've, you know, kind of done all this training, but more along the lines of a kind of like the organic, um, the organic training and learning throughout the, through just doing it and kind of having conversations with people who have been there. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking the entire time about a new project, maybe a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a new site, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, building it on Magento for the first time, in essence, at mm -hmm. least in my head, um, mm -hmm. whether they've, they're migrating from something else or what, mm -hmm. you know, in which case maybe you'd certainly be looking at, at what they were doing in their, their historical site. Um, yep. I, I guess that's an interesting one, always trying to, you know, sometimes it's almost like you don't want to see what they have because you want to come to them with your best foot forward, not, right. not focused on what they, what the old was, but thinking about right. the new, but you certainly... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you want to keep maybe a little bit of that, that brand moving forward, mm -hmm. uh, not to lose Absolutely. all of it. Um, but how different is it when you're looking at a project, uh, maybe that's, how about, that's already on Magento, and mm -hmm. that it's time for a new theme? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so I think, you know, in that process, the one of the things that we can do in kind of what I was alluding to a little bit earlier is like, being able to test the current site. Being able to get in with a customer on a Zoom meeting or a go-to meeting or hangouts or whatever and just say, try to do some of these tasks for me. I think that that part of the process can be way more valuable than a lot of people realize because then you can find the places where there this is the most obvious area for improvement. Maybe it is we just need to make some updates to our color palette to be more ADA friendly. Maybe it is, you know, just essentially looking at UX best practices and finding some new technology to power search and, you know, uh, the, the filter navigation in order to make it easier for people to find what they're looking for or restructuring some of the way the categories work. Um, and so in that kind of process, you can be a little bit more, I guess, um, uh, specific and direct with your improvements instead of saying, we're going to overhaul everything or we're going to change everything. Um, and so in, when you kind of have an existing site, it kind of gives a frame of reference and saying like, yeah, we can do this 
um, you know, we can do it exactly like this, or we can try to rethink it if we want to. And I think there's a little bit more, um, you know, you can be a little more specific, but there's also a little bit more flexibility in that way. It's to say like, yeah, we can try something new or we don't have to try something new or we can make an incremental improvement. Uh, we are seeing more and more clients coming to us and saying, you know, we want to like implement onto a new system. We're looking, you know, right now the, the conversation is Magento 1 to Magento 2, you know, with the support ending. And so it's like, you know, we're not necessarily looking to overhaul our theme or overhaul everything, but we are looking to make some UX improvements in addition to getting on new technology that's going to last longer, uh, UX improvements or technology improvements that can really just uh, help to make things a little bit easier. Sure. Well, and, and as PWA Studio evolves mm-hmm. with Magento mm-hmm. 2, I think we're going to see more and more of, uh, of that process of designing, you know, for progressive web apps for yes. a different head, mm-hmm. a different front Absolutely. to the yeah. site. So that a whole new challenge is good challenges, I think, right. better conversions, yeah. faster sites. Right. Right. A lot of good things that come out of it, but different. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So with that, I, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of talking about the process. Um, absolutely. Any final thoughts, anything that you'd add to the conversation that we haven't touched on? I mean, I think, you know, like I've said, just like considering the customer, considering what they're needing, what they're looking for. Um, we're, we're now pushing so hard user testing <laughs> to say like, you know, make sure this thing works when you get it out there because, yeah, I mean, Magento works in a specific way, uh, but there is a lot of flexibility within that to create a system that really caters to um, a customer, really kind of creating almost like part of your product line is the experience that you're providing to, um, you know, your customer on the web. Uh, just like, you know, you're going into a big box retailer versus a different big box retailer those two, th- two stores are di- inherently different experiences, but it is part of the reason you go there. It's part of the reason you buy those products in the same way a website can be that. And I think Magento offers a lot of flexibility and a lot of ability and technical um, expertise to be able to uh, facilitate a lot of those experiences. But you know, getting in front of the customer, talking to them, saying, what are you looking for? Why are you looking uh, to do these things so that you can really kind of find a competitive advantage even within the design process? Fantastic. Well, it's been really a pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah. I'm so glad Thank that you, you were able to, to join today. Um, today. I suppose it was the Robert show. It uh, was, we yes. Dueling Roberts on our mics. That's um, right. So uh, really to our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Um, follow us uh, on, on social where you can comment, share ideas and thoughts on, on this episode or uh, past episodes or, or episodes that you'd love to hear in the future. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and Facebook at JetRails. You can reach us at JetRails.com. Um, please subscribe, and uh, we look forward to bringing you some great content uh, in future episodes in the coming weeks. Thanks, and happy selling.